So um, I want to continue the Heart and Soul series that we've been doing. We're going to do it a little bit different this morning. I feel like we've been doing a lot of teaching, and which is good. We've kind of been grinding through that some. Um, if you haven't heard those first three messages, I'd love for you to go back and listen to those. But I felt like today I just wanted to be able to encourage you more um, in this and moving forward and continuing in the faith and, and specifically continuing in the faith together. Um, when I was still in the roofing business, I owned a, a roofing business uh, right before I went into ministry. And uh, I went to interview for a position that I was encouraged to interview for, um, was told pretty much by a lot of my friends, like if you interview, you got it, it's a shoe-in kind of thing, um, just, in, just put your name in, interview. So I did that, I went to the interview, they interviewed three of us. I went to the interview and it got to a part of the interview where they said, um, so, and kind of went something like this, so how are you gonna keep our kids from drinking? And I said, well, I'm gonna do everything I can to get them to fall in love with Jesus. And, and they said, well, how are you gonna keep our kids from um, doing drugs? And I said, I'm gonna do everything I can to get them to fall in love with Jesus. And they asked me, um, again, how are you gonna keep my kids, and I know we've got children in here, so how are you gonna keep my kids from doing things they shouldn't be doing otherwise, right? Um, and I said, I'm gonna do everything I can to get them to fall in love with Jesus. And out of three people, I was third, <laughs> um, and out, coming out of the interviews, but Susan and I really felt like we were supposed to be there and somehow it was gonna come back around to us. And I get a call about two weeks later and it was the pastor and he said, we'd like to ask you to reconsider or to consider still accepting the position. And he went on to tell me that the first guy had wanted too much money, the second guy had already taken a job and the third guy was me and they really didn't wanna start another search committee. So if you'd be willing to take the job, we'd be glad to offer it to you. And I told him right there, I'm like, we'll take it. And he was like, well, you need to talk to Susan and you need to pray about it. And, and not being arrogant about anything, I said, we've already prayed. And, and to not sound too arrogant or whatever, we were kind of waiting on someone to call us because we just knew we were supposed to be there. And while I don't think my answers probably helped me to be first or second, I'll tell you this, I still believe that. I still believe the answer is falling in love with Jesus. I still believe that when we fall in love with Christ and that, that relationship continues to grow and, and we continue to experience his presence and his goodness and we continue to rehearse the gospel in our lives, not just individually, but corporately, there's something that happens in our lives where it just begins to change. So many times we focus on our sin when if we would just focus on Jesus, our lives would change. When I think about this, I think about how important it is for us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. When we say Holy Spirit in the church, people's minds go to all these different places. But what I would tell you is we need to have this ongoing relationship with God 
now God is in heaven, Jesus is at his right hand, the Holy Spirit is with us. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us. It's the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, who is being given to us, that assures us that we belong to God. This is how we know we are saved, that we have his spirit. And yet when we look at this and we talk about these things so many times, we've been taught about the Holy Spirit. We've, we've heard about the Holy Spirit. We maybe have experienced the Spirit, but it's not an ongoing reality for us many times. And, and I wanna encourage you today towards that relationship with God through his spirit. I want us to look just briefly at a few scriptures. Go first to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16, we know 18 through 20 is the great commission where Jesus sends the disciples into the world. But I want you to see a contrast of something here this morning. We've been talking about this being heart and soul, but what makes us heart and soul is the common relationship and common fellowship we have with God that leads to a greater understanding and even devotion to one another, a greater love for one another. So Matthew chapter 28 verse 16 says this, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. This is after the crucifixion and resurrection. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Back up there to verse 17. This is Jesus resurrected. They saw him hang on a cross. They saw him dead. Now Jesus is alive. But when you get to verse 17, Jesus is taking them up this mountain and it says, um, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Does that not blow your mind that you could see a dead man alive and still doubt? But here's the thing, guys. I don't think they were doubting if it was Jesus. I think they were doubting, can what he's telling us really, really happen? Can we really be what he's telling us? we're supposed to be? Can we really do what he's calling us as his people to do? And you look at this and there is this, this um, looking forward, this concern or question of can this really be? But now go to Acts chapter one and I want you to see this. This is passage I look at a lot when we begin to talk about the book of Acts because it's so incredible. But Acts chapter 1-1, the, the, the gospel of Luke was written by Luke and he wrote Acts also, one of Jesus' disciples, he wrote Acts also. And so he says this, in my former book, the former book was Luke, Theophilus, this is who he's writing to. In my former book, Theophilus, 
I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now look at how cool this is. So we just read in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, where these disciples, they're there with Jesus. He's about to ascend to heaven. And he tells them like, you're gonna go into the nations and you're gonna begin to change the world. And it says that as some, they began to worship, some doubted, some are questioning. And we see this forward looking question that says, can this really be like, is he's here? And how is this gonna happen? What's this gonna be like, really? And it's this forward looking question. And yet Luke writes this and he's not looking forward, he's looking back and he says, let me tell you how this happened. Is that not cool? Like to look at that and to see it where one is questioning, can it happen? Then Luke goes, let me tell you how it happened. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit did through the church of God. And let me show you exactly everything that went on and how this went down and how incredible this is. Because Theophilus, I wrote to you about what Jesus began to do. And listen, we didn't really know how it would happen either. But here's the thing I can tell you that as I've looked at this and I've pondered this and I've seen this, the thing I can tell you is it happened and I'm about to tell you how it happened. Those disciples who were at the mountain, they didn't know how it would happen, but I know how it happened because I can look back and see how it happened. And let me tell you how the spirit moved. And here's something I want you to see. Jesus goes on in Acts 1-8, common popular scripture. He tells them that if they'll go and wait in Jerusalem, they'll be filled with power and, and, and they'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He says, you'll be empowered to do this. But, but here's the incredible thing about that, he says, you're gonna receive this power to be this. When you go and you read in the gospels, what you're gonna find in the gospels, listen, is you're gonna see a people who were scattered when Jesus was arrested. When he was crucified, and, and you see them beginning to come and they see him crucified. And, and then you see them kind of beginning to huddle together for fear of the Jews. But it's like this gathering that it feels more like when you read it, it feels more like, you know how families get together after funerals to kind of have a meal and, and to console each other. It feels much more like that. Then Jesus begins to appear to them. And there's this really sort of odd, bewildering hope that comes and there's hope because we've seen Jesus alive, but we really don't know what in the world is really going on. And I wanna make two points to you. The first one is this, that the crucifixion and resurrection drew the believers back together, but it was the Holy Spirit who kept them together. Okay? The, the crucifixion and resurrection, they came together. But we even see where Peter, he kind of goes one day, he's like, I'm going to go fishing. He's kind of going back to what he knew. And, and yet, we, so we see that there was this thing that kind of drew them together. But it's the Holy Spirit when he comes on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that kept them together. When we look at it, it was the Holy Spirit really, I mean, the, 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 the crucifixion and resurrection was a great source of inspiration. And they were kind of joyful. It was like, oh gosh, yeah, we see that he's alive. He told us about this. Now we kind of see this. And so the crucifixion and resurrection inspired them, but it was the, resur it was the Holy Spirit who empowered them. 
So the crucifixion and resurrection inspired them. But when we read in the book of Acts, it was the Holy Spirit who empowered them to do and become what they were intended to become. And so when we go and we begin to read in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit is given just as he was promised even back in the Old Testament hundreds of years before. We see these prophecies of God giving his spirit being fulfilled and people were filled with the spirit of God and they were empowered. We know this, that Peter preached this message. 3,000 people came to faith. But let me show you the greatest miracle that, that, that I believe you see in this. In Acts chapter two, verse 42, it tells us this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Were they in love with Jesus? Yes. But was there an incredible devotion to God and one another? Yes. We can talk about all the things they were doing, the generosity, the community, the worship, the evangelism, all of these things that were happening, but it all flowed out of this place of devotion. They were devoted. And this is the miracle we see in this, is that the Spirit brought them together. The Spirit empowered them to do these things. We sometimes romanticize the Bible and we look back at Acts and we think that somehow these people were different than us. But we know this, these were sinful, selfish people. How do we know this? 10 out of 10 people are selfish. I've been telling you that for years. Some of you are still in denial, but 10 out of 10 people are selfish. And the thing I'll tell you about this, guys, is these people were like us. They were natural people, but they had been filled with and were living in the supernatural power of God. And we see that this incredible fellowship, they were heart and soul. If you go to Acts chapter four and you read verse 32, um, the most literal translations tell us this, that those who believed were of one heart and soul. Some translate it mind, but that word is actually translated much more often as soul. One heart and soul. Why? It wasn't because they got inspired. See, too many worship services are inspiring and not empowering. Inspiration is temporary, but we, we are continually experiencing the Spirit of God. There is an empowerment that takes place, a boldness, a courage, a faithfulness, a selflessness that's bigger than we are. We've been talking about some closing the gap things. If you've been here, you've heard us talk about these. One of the issues in the church is we know a lot of truth that we haven't really experienced. So we know truth that we haven't experienced and that gap that exists there is, is sometimes rather large. 
And so we've been doing these experiencing uh, God's voice, experiencing uh, the Word of God, different things to close that gap. As I've been praying this weekend, one of the things and one of the areas that I realized we have a tremendous gap in the church is our understanding and truth we've been taught about the Holy Spirit and our experience of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't just an individual thing. This is a corporate thing. Like, how are we experiencing the Holy Spirit corporately, together, as one people? And there's this gap. We've been taught. We've been told he's, he, he's this God and, and, and the Holy Spirit is this and that. And then our experience kind of sometimes doesn't line up with that. And when I'm talking about experience, I'm not talking about sensationalism. Experience and sensationalism don't necessarily go together. But when you read the Gospels and the women begin to go back to the tomb where Jesus was buried and they go and the tomb, the stones rolled away and there's an angel sitting there. And, and the angel says this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Or, or looking, yeah, looking for the living among the dead. In other words, Jesus is alive. His spirit is here. His spirit is with us. He should be experienced. There should be empowerment and encouragement that takes place when we gather. Look at Ephesians chapter five. This is another passage I speak about quite often, just referencing and mentioning. In Ephesians five, Paul has been talking about how we should live out our lives as Christians, not just individuals. Remember, these are corporate scriptures. He's speaking to the church. He's saying, this is how you should live out your life as the church. Yes, individual responsibility, but a corporate expression. And he says this in Ephesians 5.18. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And listen to this. He says, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God, the Father, for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Now think about this. What, what does this look like? Has it ever, if you've read that before, has you ever wondered, like, how do we you know, come to one another and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make music from our heart. If you go to the Colossians passage in Colossians 3, it, it talks about this psalm. And it's this encouragement that should happen when, when, when we come together and we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. What does that really look like? Have you ever thought about that? Does it look like Chase getting his guitar and coming up to every person and, and like singing to them a song? Like, I'm gonna encourage you, or we all come in and we're just like all singing a song to one another, like, you know, praise God for the moment. You know, whatever that might look like, where we're just there singing to each other. I don't think that. I don't think it was a serenade, right? Anybody ever serenaded? Like, guys, you ever serenaded a girl? Anybody? Anybody brave enough to raise your hand? Raise your hand, that's good, because I couldn't do it. I probably would have done it. Yeah, yeah, some of, some of you raise your hand. We should give you a round of applause. Never did, because I can't sing. You just saw that, I cannot sing. But I don't think that's what it's intended to be. It's not intended to be a serenade. Jason, the worship team, they're not up here to serenade you. 
I don't think that's the encouragement and the admonishment that Paul is referring to and, and, and what he's referencing. I think what he's talking about is that when we come together and we really worship as a body and we really are lifting up the name of Jesus, the spirit of God begins to move and in our singing, something energizing happens, something deep begins to happen, something begins to change, there begins to be a new outlook, there begins to be a power that moves and we begin to be encouraged as we're singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, lifting up our voices to God and God begins to be glorified. And all of a sudden the cares of the world don't seem to be as big. My issues don't seem to be as big. I don't seem to be as big because I see how big the Lord is. I don't have to live selfishly trying to get what I need because I already know that I have the one that I need who takes care of everything. And all of a sudden things begin to change. The atmosphere begins to change and things begin to work in my heart and in my life and the spirit begins to do what the spirit has promised to do not just inspire us by somebody getting up and singing a song or somebody getting up and preaching a message I don't have to wonder was it just me hearing a good message that Brandon preached or that Chase sang this song that was really moving I don't have to wonder was it just inspiration because in myself in the most the most deepest part of my being. I know that the Spirit of God has done something in me that's different than what any man can do. And it's so much bigger. And, and listen, it's this point that I got to when, when I first began in ministry, like it was cool to walk off the stage and know like, man, praise God, that was, that was probably a pretty decent message. But you know what I don't wanna be? And, and Chase and our worship team don't want to be, and every person that steps foot on this stage doesn't want to be, we don't want to be an inspirational speaker. We don't want to be an inspirational speaker. I would much rather be like Paul where we don't come with persuasive words. And I know I get emotional, I get excited and I'm passionate, but listen, not with persuasive words, but with the power of the cross, with the power of the gospel, We need to close this gap of knowing that the Holy Spirit's among us and experiencing the Spirit's presence. Listen, it's not to lead us to sensationalism. You ain't gotta do backflips over the chairs. But it's to lead us to this place where the Spirit is mutually encouraging. How many people walk out of here every Sunday encouraged because of the worship that we lifted to the Lord? How many people say, well, well, we'll be a little bit late. We may miss a couple of songs, but we'll be there for the message. We need a new understanding of worship. We need to close this gap. And listen, we're gonna sing a few songs in just a second. The point of this is not to try to twist God's arm as if we could, right? The point of this is to put ourselves in a position for the Spirit to move among us. The point of this is to posture our hearts in a way 
that the Spirit moves among us. And listen, you can carry this out of here because there's incredible power in this corporate worship. But there's times, guys, that I come in and I've got a little speaker. Some of y'all that went through the, the experiencing uh, sessions, the Close the Gap sessions, saw it's a little bitty speaker and I put it right here and I put my phone up to it and I begin to play worship songs and there's not a soul in this building, I hope, other than me. And I begin to walk these aisles. I begin to walk and I just begin to sing and I begin to lift my hands to the Lord. And it's incredibly um, intimate and powerful and, and, and it, it, it encourages my spirit. So this same posture and position can be done individually, but there is something incredibly powerful about a people who are truly pursuing God with all their heart and we're lifting up the name of Jesus together. And here's the thing I can tell you, and I'm gonna ask this question because this is true of me. I'll raise my hand before I ask the question. How many of you, when you come into worship corporately, or, or it can be individually too, but right now, corporately, you come into worship corporately and your worship is somewhat hindered because there are people around you. Anybody willing to be honest about that? You can raise your hand. Like This is, a, this is not a... Not, not raise your hand. If your worship is sometimes hindered because there are people around you, then, then raise your, it's true. So many times, like I'll come in and listen, I'll come and I'll usually sit somewhere in this area and I'll look and if there's somebody behind me that I know, I'm like, what are they going to think? And it, somewhat hinders me. Why? Because my mind is set on them, not on Jesus. And then here's the thing I have to get to. I begin to think about this. I begin to think about, you know what? That person behind me didn't do for me what Jesus did. That person beside me can't do for me what Jesus does. That person behind me doesn't fill me, doesn't empower me, doesn't increase my love for God like the Holy Spirit. The person beside me isn't God inside me like the Holy Spirit. And I begin to worship. And I know this, that there is a greater experience of God that we as the church are called to, that, that God has privileged us to have. And there's something that happens in, in our own way when we begin to lift our heart to the Lord. It's not about any certain type of expression, but it is about being free to respond to God the way he's leading us to respond. And when we begin to do that, I just believe this, I know this, that the spirit begins to move and there is an encouragement that takes place. And it's not when we leave and we say, boy, that Chase is really gifted. You know, boy, that Chris Morgan, boy, he can sing, man. Doesn't he bring a lot of energy to the room? It's not when, boy, Lindsay, man, she played that keyboard for 20 minutes while Brandon talked. Boy, I bet her fingers are tired. It's not about that. It's, it's, it's about, did you feel presence of God? Do you feel encouraged in your spirit? Do you feel like no matter what I face this afternoon or tomorrow, I know that the spirit of God is with me and I can go forward to carry out what he's called me to. And so we're going to worship, man. We're fixing to worship. We're going to worship. 
and I'm pushing on you. I want to be like a coach right now that says, come on, dig a little deeper, find something a little deeper, press after God a little harder, push a little further, throw the cares of the world off your shoulders, repent of the sin that's hindering you and holding you back and begin to lift your voices to the Lord, begin to lift your hands to the Lord, get on your face before the Lord, whatever it might be, it might be a little uncomfortable, but I guarantee you this, if you will press in and hard after God, you will not regret it. And here's, here's the thing we're going to do. It's going to be a little bit different. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing songs off the computer. Because our worship isn't driven by a band. Our worship is driven by the gospel. We'll have the words up, but we're going to sing songs with nobody up here. We're not going to be confused about what the point of work. Listen, we are going to boil it down to its most simple form, and we are going to worship him. And so I want to pray and listen. I want this so badly for you. I want this so badly for us power of the Holy Spirit working among us. Not sensationalism, not flaky spiritual stuff, but the power of Jesus in our midst. Because lives are surrendered and worship is happening. Encouragement amongst the body as the Spirit moves. I can't make it happen. I can't twist God's arm, but I know this, that the Holy Spirit is faithful to do everything he's promised. So we're going to begin to worship. Lord, thank you that we can come to you and do this, Lord, that we can come into your presence, that we can know you, Lord. Let our, let our voices this morning be glorifying to you. Let our hearts this morning, God, uh, be, belong only to you, God, that we would cast off sin and everything that hinders us we would cast off self-consciousness and everything that hinders us, cast off um, not feeling good enough to come before you, that through Jesus we would come before you in worship, and God, that this gap would be closed, that we would begin to experience the power of your presence in our gatherings in a greater way than we ever have. So God, we give you the glory, the honor, the worship, Lord, not trying to create something, but putting ourselves in a posture and a position to glorify your name. We love you, Lord.